We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. One, two, three. Bullshit. Welcome to the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay, joined by my dog nation buddy, Scott the Stat Assassin, and Dr. J. Dr. J, tell the people what's up. Brock Bowers to the outside linebacker? <laughs> and Scott, tell the people what's up. I'm Ron Burgundy. I was waiting for one of y'all to say, it's all Bobo's fault. I'm kind of disappointed that neither of you took that shot. Come mm, on, well, what you know, what are we doing? He, he does need to run the ball. We're so good at it. Uh, so we're back to give you our mid-ish season preview. Why? Because this is Coach... Bethay's uh, week of fall break. So I actually have time. Scott's in the middle of moving. I'm not even sure this is going to have, he's going to have electricity through the end of this podcast. And Dr. J is in his office that he built with his own hands. So we're back together. I really have missed you guys. Um, We haven't had a lot to talk about in the group chat lately because there hasn't been a lot of interesting football, but hopefully that'll change this week. Uh, If you're new to the show, please make sure to like and subscribe, uh, share this podcast, follow us on social media. I occasionally get on Twitter and post funny things about how UJ fans are irrational. If you enjoy that kind of stuff, you will enjoy this. Um, And let's jump right into it because we don't have the money to afford Zoom premium and we've only got a 40 minute call. So uh, (laughs) we are currently ranked number one in the AP poll, although it's kind of laughable because nobody really thinks we're the best team, but nobody else wants to play well enough to take it from us. We are number one in the coaches poll, the AP poll, fourth in SP plus. 11th on offense and fifth on defense third and FEI behind Washington, Ohio state, which actually does kind of feel about right at this point in the season. I'm not gonna lie to you. Although I will go ahead and add that. I think um, Washington has like the 110th strength of schedule or something ridiculous like that. Then FPI has this at number seven, which is behind one loss Bama, which is weird. Um, Scott, I know you have some thoughts on that. And overall our strength of schedules 91st thoughts are first on our ranking and what we have done to this point, which is, Go undefeated. Scott, you first. Yeah, I mean, we're number one because we won the national title the last two years and and started number one, and also because somebody has to be number one, and this is a year where nobody looks like they want to be number one. It's kind of a hot potato. Yeah, It hasn't actually passed around, but we keep trying to pass it off, and nobody else will take it. Um, Every time we play badly, the teams that should take it play badly. Yeah, and, you know, when it comes to the – the power rankings, you know, the ratings kind of stuff, like SP plus, FEI, FPI, the difference between number one and number 10 right now is like five points or something, which for context is extremely low, right? Normally, you know, like last year, the number one team, we were the number one team against the number 10 team. We'd be like, I don't know, two touchdown favorite a lot yeah. of times. Right. And now there's just there's no elite team. That's what mm-hmm. everybody's eyes tell them. That's what all the polls are telling you. And that's what all the, you know, the analytics and the rain, ratings are telling you. So in that case, it's like, okay, they're between four, three, seven, one, ten. Like, what's the difference? A rounding error, the margin of error over, you know, how good those things can be. And as far as FPI, FPI leans very heavily on. Recruiting rankings, past performance, meaning like one, three, five-year past performance, and it doesn't de-weight this kind of stuff, not really. It doesn't like remove it all the way. So Alabama has the top-rated talent, like roster talent from recruiting. That will factor into their FPI all season long. So if you have like Alabama with super-duper talent, 
they could be the 80th best team on the field this year. And FPI is always going to have them at like 25. And actually, down to down, Bama has been better than people realize. Like, I know the South Florida game was ugly, but if you go look at a lot of like the actual, you know, yards per play and stuff like that, it wasn't actually close down to down, even though the final score was silly and weird and shocking and all of that. Jay, you'd pointed out that FBI had some clear blind spots. I think you were the one that said that a couple of days ago when we were looking at the rankings. What do you think about it? Do you have any thoughts on this stuff? I mean, right. I mean, there's no reason for anybody besides us to be number one. If you were going to make a case just based on who has better wins than us, Ohio State has a better win. Texas mm-hmm. has a better win, certainly. And also we're at the top of the analytical and the poll rankings. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, I, just like we said, um, we are the two-time defending national champion. I think what's more clear than whether or not Georgia should be number one is that Georgia is not as dominant as it was the last mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. And uh, we can talk about all the reasons why that is, or if we agree or disagree, but I think that's what most of you're hearing is that people are mostly comparing number one, Georgia in 2023 not so much to the rest of the teams in 2023, but to number one, Georgia from 2022 and 2021. So I, I think you could also make a case for Michigan or Washington being mm, number one. Yeah, I agree with that. With also, you know, weak, weaker than our schedule so far. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trying to schedule, yeah. but also they have taken care of business and dominated yeah, like yeah. you're supposed to when you play nobody. So at this yeah. point in the season where, Nobody's really played that hard of a schedule because you've played your out-of-conference games. You haven't played all your real games, your rivalries, and so on. They've taken care of business like you're supposed to. So there's, I don't know, five, six, eight, ten teams that could have a legitimate claim to number one right now. And I think it was two weeks ago, not this past week well, before that, six teams got first-place votes. So, I mean, yeah. that, that that's 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 just, yeah, just where we are. Uh, Jay, what's been better than you expected so far this year? Carson Beck. Hmm. Has okay. been better has has been better for me than than I expected, because um, there've been several other pieces of the offense that maybe haven't been quite as good as expected. Oh well, um, he so especially okay recency bias. Um, he I thought was just so outstanding uh, in the Auburn game. I he, you know thinking back, he had the one throw to Delp mm-hmm. that he missed that would have been a touchdown. Yeah. Um, though I, I think that was like 25%, uh, Delp's fault, but, um, other than that, he played so outstanding, um, the way he played in the second half and really it's becoming defensible now, um, that we need to do a lot more spread pass uh, than we have been doing that. That Mm -hmm. has been the aspect of our offense, uh, that has really been unstoppable when we've gone to it. And i put a lot of that um, at the feet of really, really, really good performance so far by Carson Beck. He's been, he's been a little bit better than I thought he would be at this point. Scott. Well, my, my list uh, only semi-serious uh, better than hope to expected is Spencer Rattler, Auburn and Missouri. <laughs> Those are all accurate. Yeah. Um, the other one that I have that's actually UGA focused, which is not better than hoped, but maybe better than expected which is the the combination of Javon Bullard and Tyke Smith. Uh, Bullard, not mm. because he wasn't already a really good, impactful player, but because he was at a new position. Yeah. So, and as you know, I expect told you, him, he looked a little rough at times when I saw him in the offseason. Yeah, and, and that was expected. And, you know, I think I expected that he yeah. would be a good 
players still at safety this year, but you know, boy, the I was maybe in... I was maybe hoping that he would catch on this quick and be as good right away as he has been, and he's met that hope, but surpassed the expectation. And Tyke Smith, you know, I kind of expected that he would be in the battle for playing time there because it seemed like he was back and healthy, but I didn't necessarily expect that he would play as well as he had, especially, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, the basically the safety group, which is Starks, Bullard, Tyke Smith, we'll just call him a safety because he's closer yeah, to a safety than a cornerback. That's, yeah. that's, that's essentially what he is. Uh, that position group has been outstanding and a ton of fun to watch. And then it's hard for me to find another position group that I can say, wow, so great top to bottom. Other than if you count Brock Bowers as a position group, then I mean, yeah, of course. Um, Carson Beck, Jay is on pace for roughly about like, and this is rough numbers, roughly about 3,800 yards and like 25 touchdowns, you know? So, I mean, he's kind of in line with where I was expecting that he was going to be like, he can throw the ball. We'd seen that. Um, It's obviously good to see it confirmed and it's good to see it confirmed. Right. Yes. And close games and second halves where you're trailing and need something like that was kind of the thing that was an unknown. It's like, okay, sometimes quarterbacks have it when the live bullets fly and sometimes they don't when there's pressure. And so we wanted to see that. Yeah. Yeah. He has it. He absolutely. absolutely, I mean, the, I don't know if y'all seen this anywhere, but his second half on Saturday against Auburn in the second half, he was 16 for 20 for 236 yards and a touchdown. In yeah, the second uh, half at Auburn. I mean, we needed is, every yard of it. We needed every. Oh, we, needed, we needed. We needed every bit of it, and he uh, came up every, including maybe six for seven on third down. I think in the second yeah. half, you were uh, the yeah. one Jay that made the comment. We should just we should just start every series in third and long because <laughs> if, if, so it were third, if it were third and eight every play, we would have mm-hmm. been unstoppable. Yeah, hopefully we keep uh, celebrating Brocktober for the next uh, remainder Brock-tober. of the schedule. Oh, how yeah. I not heard that yet? <laughs> yeah, um, so. Well, so we've already kind of delved into it. The offense, 24th national yards per play at 6.5. Remember last year we were first or close to first most of the year. Um, 59 in yards per carry at 4.2. That is not good. And 23, 23rd in yards per attempt at 9.0. And Beck is actually 9.3, which is a very good number, very healthy number. Uh, Beck's completing 72% of his passes, which ironically is like fifth in the SEC, which is – that's crazy. Um, Graham Mertz is completing 79% of his passes, and yet Florida's offense is terrible. Well, yeah, because those are play-action bootleg running back in the flat dumps for minus two yards. Now, he's taken the fewest sacks of any starting quarterback in the SEC. How about that? Yeah, pass protection's been very good. Pass protection's been very good. Offensive line was supposed to be the strength of the offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it hasn't been thus far, but that's not because of the pass protection. The pass protection's been very good. The run blocking has been another story, and with Mims out, and the right mm-hmm. side of the offensive line right now, Ratledge and Truss are struggling over there. Um, but because we have been efficient throwing the ball this year, that's probably the best way to say it. Say it. We've been efficient throwing the ball. We're seventh in third down conversion percentage. I think we're at sixty five percent. And again, like we looked at our best when Carson Beck was dropping back and slinging the ball late in that game. That was when our offense mm-hmm. got its best. And Dejon Edwards just getting runs here and there to move the chains. I mean, it's different. And I can't blame Mike Mobile for all of it because I also have to wonder, 
would we have some more explosive run plays if we had a running back that could go the distance? Dejan Edward is not making a run over 40 yards. He just isn't. Right. If you had someone with a little bit more juice like Branson Robinson, would he have taken some of these 25-yard runs to 40 or 50-yard runs? Would Kendall Milton have? And it's really hard to yeah. know that. It's the it's the fourth quarter of an SEC game against South Carolina. We're handing the ball to Cash Jones. That wasn't the plan. That wasn't the, the plan. If you look at if you look at who got touched the ball at running back against Auburn, it was Dejan Edwards, who was arguably supposed to be your number three running back. I don't think it's arguable. Season. I think it's yeah. I think yeah. it's straight up fact. Yeah. Uh, and then you had a walk on, and a wide receiver, and a tight end. And another walk-on. Walk-on, yeah. That's 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 a wild running back depth chart. Um, it will be interesting to see, and now that Edwards is at least back and healthy, like you said, he's not super explosive, but he is reliable and consistent and efficient. And for the better part of the last two years, the run game has mostly been reliable, consistent, and efficient, and yeah. not overly explosive. No. And as long as you can get your explosive yards in the passing, passing game. game. Yeah. then that's okay. So far this season, especially with Edwards missing some time, you had you know the corpse of Kendall Milton that had to just put on a helmet and limp around out there. The passing game was tasked with being all of your reliable, consistent production uh-huh. and, and your explosive, explosive production. Yeah. And that's tough to do, especially tough to do when you got mm-hmm. you know right tackle injuries, first time starting quarterback, some injuries at wide receiver and all that too, but just hard in general. Can the off or can the passing game start to get a little bit more explosive if the running game can be more reliable with Edwards being healthy for an extended period of time? That's kind of an open-ended TBD. Um, we'll see, right? And so overall, it's it's fair to say the offense is taking a step back because we're not running the ball as efficiently. I mean, is that an oversimplification? Is that an oversimplification? No, that's that's kind of the smoking gun right now. I think I think that's the difference. I mean, that's if you know, comparing it to the last two years, um, I, yeah, the the passing game, Beck's numbers and Bennett's numbers are very similar. I think we've got even more options in the receiver core than we've had in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, to the degree that we've taken a step back, it's consistency in the running game. That's exactly what it is. And I'll be honest, Rawa Thomas, who I was not impressed with in any of the preseason and offseason stuff that I saw, has been great so far. Dominic Lovett is who we thought he was. Thomas has been uh, better than I thought he would be. Ob- objection on Lovett, who cannot catch the ball this year, and I think led the whole conference last year in like lowest percentage of drops, and then this year has, what, six drops in five games? After okay. Le- after leading the conference in receptions and yards last year and having like one or two drops. So the man uh, grew some stone hands for the first quarter of the season. Hopefully that goes away. Well, for that, I simply meant his role on our team. Like, I yeah. thought he would be our third or fourth best receiver immediately, if not – if and that's, to me, about the role he fills. I get what you're saying, Scott, from a production and playmaking standpoint. He's not as good as he was last year, and that's fair. Um, the drops are – yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's mostly drops. about drops, and, and drops can come in waves, and then they can snowball into like a, you know, knob-lock-in nightmare, uh, or they yeah, can just yeah. be forgotten and move on, right? We're one year removed from Lad having a case of the drop season. Everybody yeah. freaking out. Remember the first be- four games last year? He looked. Yeah. I mean, he looked awful against yeah. in that Kent then, State game. 
Right, and then he got it back, and it's in the rearview mirror. No harm, no foul. The rest of the way was it the Kent and, State. You know, it's Kent State. Well, that was a game where he had like the the brutal drops, wasn't it? I think I think it was Kent State. Yeah, I thought the Missouri game may have also been one that okay, was uh, so. a little rough. But anyway, yeah. So would love it. Hopefully, if the drops are in the rearview, I know Rara Thomas. You know, leading up to the season, was a little bit banged up. Was I think. You know, I had a long way to go catching up to the whole playbook and stuff. He was coming from an air raid system, yeah. so that's very run four bare routes. bones, <laughs> very different. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like he's now fully integrated into the offense. Lad is now back. You got a lot of positives at receiver in the passing game moving forward. But the running game has got to be better. Lad look being back. How good did he look? <laughs> yeah, just very comfortable and just somebody you can really trust on third downs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, we're we're slinging this, you know, 12-yard out on third and eight to Ladd, and he's going to be there. The, the, other, the other thing, too, comparing it to previous years, and like we said, consistency in the running game, Scott said this when the season started, what we're missing, we're missing Darnell Washington so, so bad. <laughs> they're just, they're, That's a big part of the run blocking. We're also missing live bodies at tight end because you know who can't go 12? A team with two scholarship tight ends. Yep. When's Lucky coming back? He was, I believe, dressed and traveled for the Auburn game. I think that's right. But that was like a break glass in case of emergency because you got to have a third tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's yeah, a, so that's what we, we, miss, like- we miss Darnell as the monster to run 12. And then on top of that, we miss having an actual enough bodies to even run 12. But that's the thing that what he's talking about in our, the struggles in our run game is we played all of last year with a third tackle on the field, a third people tackle are, on the field. People the are entire talking game. about that. Yeah, yeah. People are talking about that. You played yeah. all the time with three tackles and Bowers, who's an average to above average blocker also and that's not being talked about enough like it's not just the drop off between from Brock to Delp it's a drop off between it's a drop off between Darnell and Delp in the no, I mean, I, literally when have you ever seen viral TikTok videos of tight ends at the combine on a, <laughs> a on a blocking sled <laughs> right no. it's like not like making a one-handed catch yeah like not throwing 70 yard bombs it's like watch this Here's Darnell Washington against the blocking sled. Well, I mean, and, and then the, here's here's every other tight end of the combine. And yeah. you know, I mean, that's that's how crazy he was. I, I mean, the, sled like a heavy he's, bag. He's in the NFL treating all pro bosas like blocking sleds. Right. Like it's right. it's a freak show, man. Yeah. So the offense has not performed up to expectations. We've gone through a lot of reasons why. The biggest reason we I think can we all agree the biggest reason is health. Do we all does anybody disagree on that? That's the it, not the it, only reason, but the biggest reason. Top to bottom for the whole team, it's yeah, it, it's at minimum a huge reason. And and, sure. and I'll say this, the X and O guy here, like y'all, we're running the same stuff. Yeah, we're, we're running the same stuff. Yeah, we're, it's still RPO, it's still counter. We can't run as much twelve as we have in the past. Um, it we're not running as much toss because it's not really a play. Edwards is not great at that, but like we're running the same stuff. I went and saw, I watched it in person. I'm like, we're running the same stuff. Of course, it's Mike Bobo's fault. You know, when Carson Beck misses a throw in the end zone, when um, Aaron Smith drops a wide open touchdown pass, it is, of course, Mike Bobo's fault, and he should be fired. Just never forget that, guys. Never forget that. Um, if you are a UJ fan that's posted about Mike Bobo being fired, just know that us three are trolling you. Yes, we, we are talking to you. 
We, we are specifically speaking to you. Stop it. Okay. Now, the other side of the ball, which we all thought would be comparable to the last two years. Um, and, and Scott, you had said this in the offseason. Will the lack of the dominant line of scrimmage player matter? It it's it's it matters. It, it, it it's matters. it's mattering a lot. As good as and this is probably the best secondary we've had the last three years. Kamara Lasser's yeah. been great. Um, Dalen Everett's been really good. He's better at this point in the year than Kamari Laster was last year. I think he's already better than Darren Kendrick ever was. Um, the safeties we already talked about are fantastic. And the linebacker play is pretty good. Although I will say they had some big hiccups this week playing Power Reed. It's, and I laugh because I'm sitting there talking to my coaches like, this is a play that we stop at the high school level pretty easily. And Georgia can't figure out how to stop Power Reed, which is a play that's been around for 15 and- years. And I, a lot of it, I think, was, you know, mental and eye discipline kind oh, of stuff, 100%, right? Oh, 100%. Like they got caught looking at all the window dressing and, you know, not staying on their cues. I, I will say the linebacker position, the traditional non-edge linebacker position, Jamon Dumas Johnson looks like he's playing 10 to 20 pounds too heavy. Mm-hmm. He does. He, he had he had a lot of problems on Saturday, and, and so did Munden. I but I mean yeah, both, yeah, both of those game. guys in the middle ha- had problems. Um, right. I, I mean, but Munden Munden still has the speed and athleticism. Oh, yeah. for sure. Or yeah. he can make up for that from time to time. Right. And make a big splash play. Dumas Johnson is more in the Nicobe Dean mold, where it's yeah. like, hey man, if you want to be a stud, you got to really be like on your p's and q's. Yeah. And so yeah. when he's not, oof. It's well, tough because like London had some issues too. And then also he'll just totally blow up a play or chase somebody down. And it doesn't matter that he blew the play before because now he just put him in a third and 16 and all right, all's forgiven. The, yep. the plays that hurt us was they, they did, it was kind of a split zone look and they were the, they, there's the, the running back crossed the quarterback's face and they have the H back go across the formation. And that's traditionally called split zone. What they did was they had the H keep going and then arc and load our linebacker. And then Peyton Thorne goes down the sideline for 60 yards, wasn't it? 60 yards, and, yeah. And then um, with with Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne, they ran Power Reed, which is the old wild – they probably call it the wildcat play. But you have – you do not block the C-gap player, essentially, whoever that is, whether that's an outside linebacker or defensive end. The running back or wide receiver comes across on a stretch look, and then you read that C-gap player. If he chases, if he comes down, the quarterback pulls and falls a pulling guard into B gap on the same side. And so, what was happening in short, because I know I'm losing some people here, is that the inside linebackers are responsible for playing the quarterback on that on that power read look. The outside linebacker and the C gap player take the stretch. The inside linebackers are supposed to take the quarterback. What's happening is that our inside linebackers were running to tackle the stretch. And there's no one left to tackle the quarterback when he pulls and hits it in B gap. So that's uh, what's then, happening. And then everybody complains that it was Chaz Chambliss's fault for yeah. uh, getting aggressive with the offensive lineman. No, he's supposed and, to. Yeah, and, and he has he has his limitations, and he may have crashed in a little too far inside, not deep, but inside on some of those. Totally possible. He did. Willing, he got. There's you know, one time he came in and yeah. got. He wrong armed and got pinned, and they yeah. got outside, and that did happen once. Yeah, but 
most of that was or spilled, I should say, spilled and got pinned. But yeah, yeah, most of that was not really on him. Like that's the part of the game that he is generally going to be pretty good at, which is just be physical in the running game with the guy in front of you. The other but thing we, too is we also just don't we don't have, like you know we said we don't have a Jalen Carter, we don't have a Nolan Smith, we don't have dudes that are just gonna wreck those plays before they happen. Mm-mm. We don't have a Jordan Davis. We don't have a Trayvon Walker. I don't even know if we have a Devontae Wyatt. No, we don't. But the difference is not on the edge, guys. It's up the middle. Yeah. It's 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 between it's from guard to guard. That's the difference. The edge play is still good enough. It's now we don't again, we don't have no it's not Nolan Smith good. Okay, but that's not is Aziz Ojolari good. And dude, at one point we had both of them. That is stupid. <laughs> and and Jermaine Johnson. That's so dumb. That is so dumb. Oh my gosh. Um, but it's been the lack of that interior dominant player. I think Michael Williams has actually been pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not having Michael, some has definitely hurt. Yeah. And, and honestly, Brinson and Stackhouse have both played really well. They've been good in some, in some stretches. So, yeah. But just you don't have that. You don't have somebody that's going to forklift the guard and then pick up the quarterback with one arm. We don't, we mm-hmm. don't have that. And yeah. Turns out, it's a good thing to have because we are 16th in total yard in total defense and 16th in yards per play. The yards per play being a little bit more concerning. Um, inflated by 200 yard rushing performance by Auburn this past week, an offense that has not been good. And it's not like Auburn destroyed us, but I mean, they threw for 88 yards. I mean, it's, it's not like Auburn ran up 500 yards of offense on us. I don't even think they had 300 yards of offense, but or they might have had right over 300. But also, eight sacks through five games. I just, and again, this is we went through this a couple of years ago. Actually, we didn't have a ton of sacks. We had a we had a lot of pressure, but not a lot of sacks. And sacks are overrated. But if you watch the game, you do see that we are not affecting the quarterback the way that we have in the last couple of years. And that you, your eye, the eyes do kind of match it. Now, again, we played Spencer Rattler, who will back pedal fifty three yards and throw the ball to bounds. We talked about last year. We didn't have to play Bo Nix, who does that even better than Rattler does. Um, a lot of teams, as always, they throw their quick games against us. They come out and throw wide receiver screens for their run game because you can't run at us, and we always get some of that. But um, And then Auburn decided we're not going to try to throw the ball a whole lot. We're going to run it because Hugh Freeze is good at that. And we are still in the – listen, we're number three. What is this stat you have here, Scott? We're number three in yards, yards per, per attempt, attempt allowed. Yeah. Past attempt. Okay, I had it at 4.7. Yeah. You had it at 4.9, which is really – I still had it at third in the country. Yeah. It's crazy, but – we're better in pass defense than run defense this year. It's yeah, flipped. So much it's better. Flipped. Yeah. Which which for me, I'm not worried about the sack numbers because one, that's not how they coach and teach the defense, you know, and we're yeah, not yeah, we, normally we, a high sack number defense. Yeah. And also we're third in yards per attempt allowed in the pass game, which so tells people, me yeah, the pass game them. is like the ultimate goal of playing pass defense is to not give up a lot of yards per attempt. So, like, what do I care if it's an incompletion or a sack or whatever, yeah. largely? I mean, look, I would love for us to have sacks. I very much prefer the uh, sack the quarterback and, you know, stop the run on the way there approach. But we've never been that under Kirby. I think it's way more fun, but that's just personal fun preferences. Uh, but that's not us, so that doesn't concern me. But uh, being 58th nationally in yards per rush allowed is extremely concerning. That's what I was thing, about to say. Good is, thing Kentucky can't run the ball. I, I think that I think that it's fair to say that some of the concerns about the offense that people have that aren't real 
should probably be about the defense, which is real. And you see some people complain about our run defense. Those concerns, I will say, those are actually some real concerns. Now, we ask the question, is Kentucky about to run all over us? The answer is no. They're not about to run all over us for a couple of reasons. One, running backs don't run, run the ball on us. Last running back that ran the ball on us successfully was what Alabama in 2018 for one quarter. They, yeah, I mean, they got loose on us with uh, Najee Harris. They had like a hundred yard quarter on us in the fourth quarter of one game. Running backs do not run the ball on us. Let's be very clear about that. And second of all, Kentucky does not have a, a offensive mastermind calling their play, their plays like Auburn does. Hugh Freeze is a phenomenal offensive coach. Scheming up the run game and finding mismatches on the perimeter are what he does as well as anybody. Nick Saban lost him twice. Okay, let's remember this because a lot of this has been forgotten. He's especially great at scheming up Q run. Look what we did with Malik Willis. So understand that, like, yes, Ray Davis just shredded Florida's defense, and that was a defense that had been playing very well God, against the God run. God bless Ray Davis for that. That was awesome, by the way. Good gosh, Davis. that was great to watch. Go Big Blue. Will, will Ray Davis have a – 170-yard game against us? No, he won't. You know why? Because they hand the ball off, and Devin Leary has probably about as many career rushing yards as I do in college. (laughs) So they're not going to run all over us. But that said, when we play another team with a running quarterback, which we will see at some point, not scrambling, but Q run, design Q run, it's concerning because that's what Auburn hurt us with. I think handing the ball off, Auburn rushed, for like 60 yards on her. I don't remember what it was. I need to find the number, but I'll, and I'll go, I will go find it in a second. But Auburn did not have success running the ball on straight handoffs. It was cute. No, they're, they're, the, the running backs were like 3.7 yards per carry or something like that. It was, that that's the number. I need, yeah. I'm going to go find – this is going to bother me, so I'm going to go find the actual stat. Yeah. But uh, I do not think that Kentucky is about to come in and run the ball on us. I do think that our run defense in general is a bit concerning. Um, yeah, the Auburn running backs – the Auburn running backs had – 27 carries for 94 yards. The two quarterbacks had 16 attempts for 125 yards and 61 of that on run run. So mm-hmm. yes, it was bad and it was frustrating. More importantly was I think the success rate of the runs were that they were able to convert when they needed three, they got five. When they needed six, they got eight and they were able to convert at a high rate. So even though the explosive play was concerning, their efficiency running the ball on us was what really, I think upset a lot of people. And I think that's a real concern. I think that is a real concern. Do I think many teams can do what Auburn did to us? The answer to that is no. I don't. I don't. All right, so that brings us to the area that we never want to actually talk about on this podcast, but we have to, and that is special teams. We have some kicking issues. Like, why did we get rid of Zirkle? I'm still trying to figure that out. Does anybody know? Did he just lose the competition in practice? Like, what's the deal? Why are we using the freshman? I'm confused. Y'all talk to me here. Man, I I got nothing on that. I mean, I, Zirkle's handing the kickoffs. Yeah, but uh, well, but no, I mean he he must be he must be all over the place. I will say, uh, Woodring looked pretty good in the Auburn game. He did. Um, his uh, his flight path has some serious motion <laughs> to it, man. It looks, looks like, like, he's like he's kicking a slider. Yeah, like he's he's like playing a like power fade. Like like even when he kicks it the way he wants to. Um, it has got some wiggle to it. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, there's no, there is no reason for the true freshman to be the kicker, except that he must've been better than Zirkle in camp. I guess so. (laughs) It's just like, he missed the two kicks and you're like, 
you have a guy that kicked last year that's kicked that's kicked for us previously, and it's like that guy's not a better option. Like I don't want everyone to be talking about our kickers, and we've been spoiled having hot rod and hot pod back to back. And I and we like I think we knew that, but I don't think you know you really realize it until a guy starts missing kicks, mm-hmm. especially kicks that actually kind of matter. Because like mm-hmm. at the point he's missing kicks was the South Carolina game. It was like we kind of need these points here, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we kind of <laughs> we're not in a great spot. Yeah. Here. We kind of need these points, and we were missing some gimme kicks too. Yeah, those are high school kicks. Ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think I think the two kicks he missed in the South Carolina game. Uh, they didn't rush. <laughs> they did. I mean, which they were inside which, forty yards, which just made it look even worse. I mean, we snapped the ball, and the entire uh, you know kick block team for South Carolina just stood up <laughs> right where they were, and then he and then he still shanked it. But on the plus side, Thorson is still awesome. And yeah. as long as we're talking about special teams, David, you get to talk about your boy, my boy Makami is now. I I I, I got him back. I got him out walking back a little bit. He, he he put the ball on the ground a few times the last few weeks. Um, yeah, he's uh he's trying to make a play at all times. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. But I will go ahead and say, if you are a fan of the podcast, you know you know about Makai Muse. You have been told he is my favorite UJ football player. He's our he's kind of like the mascot of our show for this year. Truthfully, like replacing <laughs> Stetson Bennett as the mascot for Title Run Sports. Mm-hmm. Um. We are all working on Mighty Mouse shirts slash memes that are we're gonna that we're gonna post because that's what we have dubbed him, which is not very original, but just very fitting. So yeah. Um, and truthfully, he's given us a real boost in the return game. He, he really absolutely has. has. He's absolutely given us he something legitimately that has. he's not had for a while. It, now, if he was not on this team, there's a chance we might not be undefeated right now. Talking about some of the plays he made. Yeah, just just in general, and, just yeah, yeah, field position in the return game. You yeah. know, we've played a couple close games. May not have won both of them. And people don't realize this. Like, when we talk about a returner, very few returns actually go for touchdowns. But a 45-yard punt that's returned 15 yards and gives you the ball at the 50-yard line as opposed to 35, that's huge because that's two less first downs you have to get before you have to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like, 80-yard drives are hard. It's hard to get six or seven first downs in a row. That is very difficult to do. It's easier to hit than supposed to play. So when you cut down the field position from, like, the 35 to the 50, we actually did a drive chart with this at our high school. I think the chances of scoring a touchdown go from like, I don't remember the number, but it was like 22% to like 68%. It's something like astronomical just from the 20 yard difference in there. And so that stuff really does matter. Those 10 yards on that punt return do matter. And he took one to the house, which is always wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's my dude. And I'm glad that he is continuing to play, still playing offense, getting less touches as we get more guys integrated. But I'm glad he's doing well. Last thing, guys, before we wrap it up here, this Kentucky game. Scott, um, you made some really interesting points about Kentucky in the past because the line came out at 19, and we were all like, what? Is high? Have they not watched UGA for the last few weeks? Did they not watch Kentucky last week? Kentucky's defense is a good Kentucky defense. And Kentucky's had some good defenses under Stoops, and this is one of the good ones again. And they're actually running the ball well, and – then Scott, you kind of threw cold water on that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, a couple things. Uh, the current line right now, I think, is actually fourteen and a half. Okay. So one. Okay. Much more in line with the number I think we or people would be expecting. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, the line was twenty-four. Right. The early <laughs> line was twenty-four. Which is a, which is stupid. That's stupid. But um, you know, I think a lot of us think of the recent Kentucky games and think, oh yeah, those games are ugly and close. 
Well, they're ugly and close in Lexington. Oh, right? okay. So if you look at the last six years, so that's six years of Kirby, six years of Stoops, it's throwing out 2016 because that 2016 Georgia team has basically nothing to do with any of the current teams, right? That You're not going to get any predictive info from that. So uh, 6-0, and oh, average margin of victory is 17 and a half. And then you go, oh, 19 doesn't sound quite so crazy, wow. right? Okay. Average margin of victory at home was like 22 and a half. Whew. It's been the three road games where you've won by, you know, 7, 10, 13, 14. I forget the exact numbers, but things like that where you're like, oh, it's actually close. And, and some of those games, it was air quotes close, right? Where, mm-hmm. oh, Kentucky scored zero points. So, you know, they never crossed the 50. So technically the score was close, but you could have played seven straight games and they wouldn't have caught up to the margin. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, I thought the line seemed you know higher than I expected. I looked back at some recent results and said, oh, I guess maybe that's not so crazy. But the 14 and a half feels much more appropriate. Does Kentucky give us trouble on offense? Does, me, does their defense give our offense trouble? Ooh. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. Watched, I haven't yeah. watched a whole lot of their stuff. I really need to watch. I need to start watching some. I've not stuff. either. We're we're far enough into the season where you can watch a few games of people and and really mm. see what's going on, not just catch some games against scrubs. So I five year old baseball has been messing with my football. Watching <laughs> Two things I can tell you that I do know: they're physical because they're always physical, and they turn people over. There's two things that I know about Kentucky: they're always physical, and they're physical this year. And they turn people over. What I do not know is that they have the elite edge play they've had some of these years. So, like a couple years ago, they had um, the really good corner. I can't remember his name, Kelvin. I can't remember his name. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, real tall, um, long guy. Yeah, and he's having he's having a good NFL career. They've had Josh Allen, um, Bud Dupree in the past, guys that are really good off the edge. I do not know enough about this Kentucky team to know if they have that kind of talent, like the NFL talent they've had the last few last few years. I'm um, back, and I think it was. 20 they had the first round draft pick and linebacker whose name escapes me do they have those kind of dudes or is this the typical kentucky team that's good where it's a bunch of seniors that have been there for two or three years because kentucky doesn't really hit the portal like you would think they would um there are a lot of homegrown guys and i could be wrong about that this year but are they just a good kentucky defense or is this like one of their like okay this is going to be like the third best defense in the sec this year i don't know that i do know that on offense they're not great they have a good running back, and he is good, who just had a career game and is getting hyped up. He's getting gassed up right now because he's had a career game. Um, Devin Leary is a guy that's got all the tools and never put together NC State. Um, honestly, a lot of similarities to the guy they had last year. <laughs> it's just the same thing as the last quarterback they had. Minus the wheels. And right. they have a receiver who is phenomenal. <laughs> that scares me. Mm-hmm. Um, and – their their receiver group is good. It's not just Barry and Brown. Uh, it's not, the other guy's yeah. good too. Yeah. And I don't I, y'all. We hate. I hate that we're not giving y'all more about this. But this really wasn't so much of a Kentucky preview. But I will say this: I do not think Kentucky will run the ball against us. I do think Barry and Brown has the potential to hit big plays against us. But we're just so much better in coverage this year. He torched us in the second half of that game last year. He did. He hurt us. I and mean, I just don't know that he's going to get loose in that kind of the same kind of way. And if Ray Davis has 150 yards, I will eat this microphone. I would just be blown away. I'm serious. Um, I'm the serious. other 
the other receiver I think for them is Tavion Robinson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the guy that he was there last year too, and I think was pretty solid. He's a fifth year guy. I think he's pretty. I mean, he's not the the headliner of the group, but he's yeah, been Baron Brown's good. a dude. I mean, he's 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 yeah. a cat. No, no, Barry and Brown was at one point a five star and chose Kentucky over Alabama and Georgia. And then he right, dropped like, to a four star immediately. <laughs> I, I think I think he had already dropped to a four star at that point, but uh, he was he was an actual take for Alabama and Georgia. Sometimes you have guys that are recruited by Alabama and Georgia, and then the spots fill up because they took guys that maybe are better. Yeah, they, or, you know, they wanted him. They wanted. Yeah, him. yeah. He was a he was a for real dude. He's a better so, version of Isaiah Bond for Alabama. That's what he is. Um, yeah. So I've got I've got two big picture questions. The first one I thought of when Scott said we might not be undefeated if we didn't have Makai Muse. All right. Thus far in the season, MVP for Georgia's football team. Who Ooh. you got? Oh. That's Brock. Are you sure? Yeah. But, I mean, if, if, if you want offense, defense, it's Brock and Starks. And those are oh, well, the only two easy. options. Then it's easy. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you split up offense, only, defense, it's really easy. The, the only, only other option is Malachi Starks. That's the only other option. If, you, if yeah. you have to choose between the two of them, especially for the whole season, especially what they've done in every game, I think it's, I think it's close between those two. Mm. For me, it's Brock only because offense, you can dictate that it goes to Brock. And right, for yeah. Malachi, they mostly just don't throw near him. Sometimes it doesn't matter though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, but like it, you can go many quarters without seeing Starks on the TV copy, just about because they're just the action. Ain't that's, going true. There. that's true. Well, that's true. Um, that's how good he's been. He's he's been the Brock Bowers of the defense. He he has been unbelievable. Yeah. Second yeah. question: Is anybody adjusting their preseason record predictions? No. No. I don't think this is an Addy team. Probably. I mean, I, I had us losing a game for sure. Or I had us losing a game. So, um, but not in the regular season. No, I, I, I said 12 and one. I didn't say that it was going to be SEC championship game. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, anybody yeah. in the West that scares you so far? <laughs> not, not really. No. Although as you were talking about quarterback run, I was thinking if it were the SEC championship game and it was Jalen Milrow, I don't know, oh, like, oh. right? Like, like he's he's the one guy actually that maybe you know if Alabama went mostly with a running, uh, you know, um, I would not want to defend him, but he might throw us three. He might, he might. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think at this point though, it is worth debating whether you know it, it's fifty fifty for me on whether I round us down another game on on final record. Right. Like, right. I, I could see eleven and two. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, regular season, what's more likely, 10 and 2 or 12 and 0? I'd say 12. I'd say 11 think, and 1 is more likely. Oh, you're, not, you're right. No, right, right. 11 and 1 is yeah, the most likely. The decision. That's why the question is what's more likely, 10 and 2 or 12 and 0? I mean, I still feel like 12 and 0 is more likely than 10 and 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and let me ask you this Who's the best team we will see the rest of the regular season? Is it Ole Miss or Kentucky? Ole Miss, Kentucky, Tennessee. I think it's Tennessee. I think Tennessee. You think so? I do, yeah. I, I don't know that it's Tennessee, but Tennessee is the one of those that's on the road. That's right. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. That's right. And, and, and this circles back around to Tennessee is not quite as good as people thought they would be. Because that's it turns out the Hinton Hooker was a lot better than people realized. We've said, we said this. We thought Hinton Hooker was very, very good. But yep. without a torn ACL, he's a borderline first-round pick. Um, he was very, very good. 
And as a Michigan fan, I said that Joe Milton, Bazooka Joe, is a guy that you're going to be disappointed in a lot. When he's great, he's great. When he's not, he's not. And back to all you Carson Beck haters, if you're listening to this, Tennessee would kill to have Carson Beck. Yep. So would Alabama. Yep. He would be their starter, hands down, without question. Carson Beck might be better than McCord at Ohio State. I bet you they would take him. So probably as much as people want to hate on Carson Beck, he's probably better than the starting quarterbacks for half of the teams in the top 10. If, if Carson Beck <laughs> finishes, if he finishes the season with 74% completions and nine and a half yards per attempt. Yeah. <laughs> all the, all the schools you just named would take him. So I'm saying like, and I, and I get that he's not just like some world beater, but he's a good quarterback. Yeah, he is. And it's funny because People hated on Stetson, and then when they were in love, they fell in love with Stetson. And now we're comparing Carson Beck to Stetson, the guy that two years ago we wanted to start over Stetson Bennett in the UAB game, and now we don't like him anymore because he's not the bright, shiny toy anymore. This is why we get on to UJ fans. Y'all appreciate what you have. Mm-hmm. You don't have the best quarterback in the SEC. At this point, I probably said it's Jaden Daniels. I don't know if there's really a lot of com- compare- competition for him right now at this moment. Connor Wegman was probably the best until he got hurt. Got hurt. Okay. Yeah. But – like, we're not saying that, but if you don't think that three or four of these other top 10, top 10 teams would take him. Okay, so maybe not Washington, not USC, um, not Texas, but not, not Oregon, not Oregon, but you know, a but, lot of these other teams. But then you got Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma's not top 10, but they probably should be. Carson Beck, uh, Michigan. Dylan Gabriel you know. fits their scheme better, so maybe yeah. not them. Uh, but the point being, it's at least a conversation with half of those teams. And I know I understand what Carson Beck is. I'm not delusional about what he is, but he's better than people think. And he's played better than people think he has. Essentially yeah. what people are doing is they're taking his one or two bad drives and acting as if he plays the entire game as bad as those one or two bad drives. No fans, of, fans would never do that for a quarterbacks and offensive coordinators, David. <laughs> it's the Stetson Bennett effect. Like we talked about this when you watch Stetson Bennett, you see whatever you want to see. It's a Stetson Bennett experience. If when he throws that drop, when he throws a pick six that gets dropped two plays in a row, you see that and you're like, this guy's not very good. And then you see the 25 yard scramble where he outruns a four or five defensive end and then throws the ball between the hands of three defenders into the hand of a receiver for a touchdown. And you're like, oh, he's good. It's really whatever you want to see. If you want to see Carson Beck as a guy that's missing open receivers, and th- then you can see that, but that ain't what I'm seeing. Mm-mm. That ain't what I'm seeing. Yeah. I'm seeing a guy and, that has two or three and, bad decisions a game and is pretty good the rest of the game. And, and to be clear, we do need him to keep improving a little bit yeah. and play a little bit better Absolutely. as the season goes on, right? We do need him to not miss the big open touchdown. Yeah, that, we that's do need, brutal. Cannot do that. Yeah, we do need him to cut it down from five mental mistakes a game to two or three mental mm-hmm. mistakes a I game, that. right? There's room for improvement. But, yeah, the people that, because he has five mental mistakes a game instead of two or three, that act like 20 out of the 30 passes are bad <laughs> when that's not the case. That's, it, it's whatever. It's how it is. But So, um, folks, I, listen to this. Actually, Let- I want to I ask a couple questions, which is, is a loss to Kentucky the best possible result on Saturday? No, it is not. Well, if we want to start playing like a national title team, what's going to make that happen? Uh, is that, is that going to happen? 
internally, or do we need to lose the game for that to happen? I don't think so. Because look, last year at the Missouri game, look what turned around did to Tennessee. No, but but last year at, at the Missouri game, we were already playing like a national title team, especially in games that counted. And does do people have to go back and look up the scores of the Oregon game, the score of the South Carolina game? But do you remember the pearl clutching over the Kent State game? No, that was other people's pearl clutching. I know. I, know I was not us, concerned. But... Yeah, but. If look, if we had beaten South Carolina and Auburn by a combined eighty points, <laughs> then yes, there would be very little concern about like an awkward quarter against nobody state, right? You're like, who cares? Okay, but we've played two conference opponents who are okay. Uh, uh, it's mm-hmm. fair, I guess. Mm-hmm. Losing both at halftime, mm-hmm. right? Um. If we are losing at halftime uh, against Kentucky and Missouri and Tennessee, you're probably not winning all those games, right? Oh, yeah. Your percentage If, if we're losing at halftime against Bama or A&M in SC's championship game, are you winning that game? If we're losing at halftime in the first round of the playoffs, are you winning that game? If you're losing at halftime in the title game, are you winning? How, you know, we're very 2014 Florida State right now. 2014 Florida State beat a lot That's, of teams. Yeah, I, I, I have closely. thought of that exact same team. I, well, and, I know I know exactly the comparison and, you're making. Yeah. And Florida State probably could have used a loss in the middle of the season to hopefully shake things up because they lost by a bazillion. They were made into a meme in the college football playoff against Oregon. Literally. As a coach, I'm never going to argue that winning, losing is better than winning, ever. It's always better to learn your lessons through winning. No, I think right, what you're getting right. at is I'm, what's, I'm asked, what I'm you're saying, get, well, Hold on a second. What you're right. saying is what's going to take to get us to play better. That's what I'm, you're saying. Right. All I'm saying, what is it that we need to learn a lesson? So the question is, do we need to lose a game to learn that lesson? Obviously, yeah, a thousand percent agree. Learning the lesson without losing a game, like the Missouri game last year, a million percent the way to go. This team already had its Missouri game twice. To answer your question, what do we need to, to learn our lesson? We need healthy players. <laughs> that's yeah. not that's not coming back. That's Unless right. Unless they start I, taking days off, and they're not doing that. Like I know, I know the question you're asking, and it's not impossible that there could be a lesson to be learned. I think my sort of greatest fear about the rest of the season is that there is no lesson to be learned, and that and that what we're seeing, especially on defense. Yeah, what just, we're seeing, what especially is. up front and in the middle of the defense, is just what it's going to be. Which, again, we've been spoiled. Like our defense is still pretty darn good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's just not elite. And I, I mean, I've thought the same thing. I mean, I've seen some things on offense that could easily change. There could be a few throws that could be dialed in. Like Amarius Mims can come back. All of those things. Um, I mean that. It, that we had 250 yards passing against Auburn just in the second half. Like I I've seen some things where the offense really could adjust, just dial it in a click or two, and it could be pretty darn close to what we've had the past two years. The defense, I, I hope we haven't seen the ceiling yet, but Mm. I'm not sure how high above our heads that ceiling is. So a a big part of it is what young guys can become yeah. big impact players as the season goes on. It's yeah. hard to say who that's going to be, right? 2018, 
the defense looked very different starting mid-2018 until the end of 2021 because that's when Jordan Davis started playing. Right. Right. This is uh, not a guarantee that there's another Jordan Davis walking through that game, you know, during the bye week before Florida like there was 2018. But just saying you could have a young guy step up and really improve a position group and all of a sudden that can make a big change. But Mm -hmm. uh, is this the worst Kirby Smart team non-2016 division? I think it's comparable to the 18 team. Yeah. I I go back and forth about which of those teams was better. The 2018 team was better defensively. Mm-hmm. This team's but from had a bad cer- year. Yeah, this team's certainly better offensively. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think if I'm projecting the rest of the season, I think this team's a little bit better than the 2018 team. But that'll be the the second worst of the seven Kirby teams, non-2016 division? I think this team is better than 2020, right? That was that was like the whole like combination, Dewan Mathis, JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett year, right? 2020? Right. Well, are, are we assuming that they're playing with like Stetson, or are we assuming they're playing with Dewan Mathis after Stetson got hurt in the Florida game? But also right now, this team would lose by a million to that Alabama team or that Florida team. I, mm. I've got I I think this is I think this might be his fourth best team. I'd put it behind last two years and I'd put it behind 17, but I don't know. I, I mean the the From team I don't know. I've I've 20, got this maybe it's 20 I mean, it was like when our really leading receiver was Lawrence yeah, Cager, 20, like he's playing tight 20, end. Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that that's that the question basically is <laughs> is it twenty eighteen or this, right? That's kind yeah. of the question because it's okay. more of a, Offense versus defense thing. Okay. Right. Obviously, it's better than 2016. 2020, that team's a lot better than people remember. Mm. Right. And to, to add to that, the, the national question how far back do you have to go to find a national championship team that would not be the best team in football this year? Hmm. Oof. I have to think about that one. That's Florida State in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> that team would be a touchdown favorite over every team in football right now. I'm just trying to even think of what's the options, though. Yeah. I mean, James so, Winston so was really good so that that's, year. That's part of what goes into me when I think about us versus the 2020 team. Like, we lost to that Bama team. That Bama team was so much better than oh, any yeah. other team in football right now. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, so, yeah. 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 And that Ohio State team would, would beat this team. That they lost, they, that they beat in the championship game, they beat this team. Yeah, um, but I'll say this: Are we asking the question about the Georgia team that we currently have, or about the Georgia team that we're going to have in December when Kendall Milton's healthy and Amarius Mims is healthy? And you get what I'm saying, yeah. like, and and, so, and that's why that for me is an easy tiebreaker between this year's team and the 2018 team. Easy tiebreaker, and this team definitely could end up better than the 2020 team, which was a good team. It was a good team, and gets a bad rap, I think. Um. It's going to be hard for this team to be as good as the 2017 team, I think. That was a good team. That was an unexpected. Yeah. An unexpected like, that team had Dick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. I mean, so yeah. Let's, <laughs> yeah. And I think, <laughs> look, I, I think people should just move on from expecting that it's going to be as good as the 21 or 22 teams. If that happens, we'll take it. But I think as like an expectation, put that aside. You know, I mean, I mean, somehow we've gotten through this whole podcast 
without talking almost at all about Brock Bowers. I mean, how many how many offensive weapons has Kirby Smart ever had that's better than Brock Bowers? Nick Chubb, maybe? He had for one year, and he didn't have him with Todd Munkin, or else I would say yes. And that's one of the things about the 2018 team, why they can't be better than this team, is they had Coley calling the play, so they can't be better than this team. Right. Um, by that's, default. Yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, the truth, the truthful answer is it's Brock Bowers, and it's probably not close. I mean, if uh, as we said, probably, like I mean, December, I, I, like I'm if things go well. Life, so I won't take like, that Chubb slander. Like if everybody gets healthy and Beck continues on the course he's on, and you know a month from now we've got Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey and Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett and Arian Smith like all Thomas. running around out there, man, <laughs> Mighty Mouse. Um, I mean, Mighty Mouse don't play receiver in conference games. I think I think, I think you're probably right. I think that will probably prove to be true. Pretty, pretty true. Um, I I mean. Uh, all all of that does have a ceiling that is that is higher than what we've seen so far. Like you yes. can see a path yes. to that. Right. Um and, and and because there's no elite team out there. Right. That's mm. the reason why there's still some hope about being a serious playoff national title team. If this was a normal year and you had uh, some Bama juggernaut or some Ohio State juggernaut or whatever, you know. We'd be saying, okay, we can be a lot better, but it probably ain't happening. But this year, yeah, it's wide open. People can dream. It is. All right. So we'll be back, hopefully, to do this again in about another, probably the end of the regular season. Let's just be honest. Um, hopefully talking about a 12-0 team that's got some flaws instead of a 11-1 team that's had to learn some tough lessons. I really hope or, that's not the case. Or a 10-2 team. Or a 10-2 team. Hush in which case. Scott. We'll be having I'm a much just, different conversation. It's a possibility. It is a possibility. We're, possibility. We're dealing with real life here. Yeah. Um, but it is it is late. Scott's got to finish packing. And uh, Jay, Scott, thank y'all for jumping on this Monday. I've got to go get ready to go 2-0 in the region. So we'll call tonight. This has been Dave Bethay, Scott Stessas, and Dr. Jay for Tide Run Sports Podcast. Jay, tell people adios. Go dogs. Scott. Celebrate October. That's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. <laughs>